I just felt like it was a little bit of a kick in the balls, to be honest. It came a lot sooner than I thought that I would be the oldest player on the team. That's all you got, brother. That's all you got. The word of the day would have been hyperrealism. We're bad at soccer, but we're good on a bagel. Hello, Rapids fans. You are listening to Holding the High Line with Rabbi and Red. My name is Matt Pollard. It is the early evening of Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. It is currently the 73rd minute in the opening match of the 2024 MLS season. Inter-Miami is beating Real Salt Lake by a score of 1-0. We are back, baby. And... We're going to talk about the Portland Timbers game. We're going to talk about a bunch of other stuff, Rapids-related, macro, MLS news. But first, introducing my co-host, who now firmly believes that Zach Steffen and Matt Turner are better goalkeepers in UEFA Champions League than David Rea, Rabbi Mark Goodman. What's shaking, my brother? It's good to see you. Uh, It is great to be Kicking off yet another season as the uh, reigning champs, the oldest podcast on the call, continuous podcast on the Colorado Rapids. I feel like C38's podcast took a break. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe C38's podcast is is the longest continuous. It's a new podcast now, Mark. That's what I think. This isn't the voice of C38. It's all guys new and it's guys who weren't involved, who weren't affiliated with the podcast previously. Right. To my knowledge, other than maybe Drunken Monk, I don't think anybody associated with the pod at the time is associated with any pod right now as well. So anyhow, no, we are... point is, but but I'd like to welcome our uh, our newest addition to the Colorado Rapids podcast. Back family. from the dead! It's the Colorado Rapids official podcast, which is back with uh, Jordan Angeli and um, it's not Marcelo Balboa, is it? It's Drew Moore. Drew Moore, who also played for the Rapids at some point, I think. He, he used to play for the Rapids, right? He was... He was kind of, he was pretty good for them, right? He was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like he was anything special, Mark. It's not like they retired his number. Like, he left, and then a year later, some guy named Sam Vines, who was washed out of Belgium, came and took his number and everything. So Ouch. Oh, snap. But anyhow, it's it's great to be back and previewing yet another season. Matt, how many seasons have we done this podcast? How many How many seasons are we uh now officially beginning as a as a podcast this is season seven episode one mark and uh and so uh, rabbi you have not heard it yet because i have not shared it with you but listeners you may notice the audio for the intro just a few minutes ago was slightly different for those of you who are relatively new to the podcast uh we love making we love newbies welcome to the family we're not a cult we're a little bit of a cult we're not a cult we're a cult but we're a welcoming one and we don't do a any very welcoming mark and there's, there's a... no and there's no cost and you you won't have to wear a, a track suit and be beamed up to a foreign planet on a given day so those are the positives of being a holding the highline truther 
Um, but we that- will shame you for your you complaining about something that we have just accepted in terms of being in the Colorado Rapids space right. when the Rapids inevitably lose to the Portland Timbers on Saturday. And we're just like, the yes, this is what we were expecting. Hello, darkness, my old friend. You're like, oh, my God, we had all this expectation. And then the team ended up losing. And now they're going to be crap. And we're just going to be Mark. We're going to be like that Netflix uh, Western movie where it's. um uh james the where it's james franco's character standing next to him on the guillotine or or, you know with the noose and everything just like first time like so yes welcome to the newbies you your joy and excitement about the rapids has not been beaten out of you just yet rabbi and i cannot be hurt by ye old burgundy boys because both of us are dead inside but we love the intro to the podcast and we love taking random quotes throughout the year and then placing them out of context in the intro that makes it fun and a little bit meme and tradition says that once we have the first podcast to preview the first game of the season that is therefore the new season of holding the high line with and every new season therefore gets a new intro so for the first time ever listeners you are now hearing that now infamous quote from jack price in the exit interview he had with myself Brandon Plone and Mitchell Carroll, you were actually hearing him say that the contract offer that he got uh, from Pork Smith, which was lowballing, was a kick in the balls. And you heard some other fun out of contracts, uh, out of context audio, including from us uh, as well. Mark, do you want to guess what the? Uh, do you want to guess what audio I used for you as well? It's uh, bagel related. Does that ring a bell for you? No, I mean, I say so much crap on this podcast, I have no idea what's coming out of my mouth from minute to minute. So, so uh, I believe it was <laughs> Andreas Maxo scored his first goal for the Rapids. This would have been in like June of last year. And you made a reference to the Rapids now having a Scottish salmon and a Danish salmon. And you said the Colorado Rapids were a bad soccer team, but we're good on a bagel. And so, yes. <laughs> brilliant. Well, I- holding brilliant the highlight. Line we're, we're a bad soccer podcast, but we're good on a bagel. And good on that- a bagel. Yes, I will not be, uh, we'll, we'll wait for people to ask or try and figure out where the other audio sounds are coming from that could be potentially amusing. But, Rabbi, shall we get into it? Let's talk about soccer and other sundry things related to soccer in some relatable way, like uh, our upcoming match, and the new kit that the team has dropped, and so much more that you might uh, appraise me of. Yes, uh, Rabbi, let's just touch very briefly. I wrote a long article about it. The kit's now been out for almost a week at this point. In terms of it, uh, it's now over a week since uh, Drew Holiday, Jordan Holiday. I can't remember the name of the Nuggets. Jor- pl- Jordan. Jordan Holiday? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Denver Nuggets player who was seen wearing the shirt and then effectively the Denver Nuggets confirmed the Colorado Rapids shirt, which was originally leaked by EAFC. So we won't spend a whole lot of time on it, listeners. I already spoke about the kit um, on a few different um, other outlets as well. I wrote an article for Burgundy Wave as well. But uh, Mark, uh, what do we think of the One Flag kit? What do we think of the initiative behind it? One of my favorites uh, already of all time. Um, It's, I think, one of the things the Rapids have not done a ton of is kind of like a, I wouldn't say a texture itself, but like a textured look. Um, and so the kit has this kind of, we're, we're, Matt and I are both wearing it, but this is an audio medium, folks, so we have to describe it to you. Um, it's got this kind of checkerboard pattern that kind of waves and undulates like a flag. So it kind of looks like, you know, a black and white, you know, winning the Indy 500 checkered flag. Um, the, 
So that's a really nice look that you get this kind of shiny burgundy color. The other thing is it's got kind of a shininess to it, which is really cool. Um, they did not change the crest. Um, the three stripes uh, in blue across the top isn't different. Um, there's a, a little bit of difference to the blue down the side stitching, which kind of reminds me of the way the Rapids used to do it old school. Um, way back in the day, they used to have kind of these like side patchings and belly patches that were like thicker material or different material or a different cut. Um, and I always kind of found that to be kind of a like a weird 90s, mid 2000s look that kind of had a fun element to it. I think overall, this is one of the strongest burgundy kits the team has ever put out. Um, to be fair, burgundy is a great looking color. Uh, the kit sponsor, UC Health, looks good. The logo looks good on any logo. I think also, um, I don't know if you've noticed this, Matt, but the font on the back is a little bit different. It's kind of a, a slight tweak. There's kind of the, the double line racer look um, is is uh, has been around for, I think, three or four years. But this one is like a slightly different kind of tilted italics-esque uh, sans serif font. And it looks really good uh, in everything. 10 out of 10, no notes, really happy with this kit. The only complaint I would have, which isn't really a complaint, it's honestly like just a a, 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 a point of fact, which is this is our primary kit. And um, some of the teams who've gotten to bust out an alternate, like their, their secondary kits, they went really crazy and their colors are really rad and they went really big. Um, Houston's uh, purple kit is like, like eye scorchingly bold. Um, I think it's uh, SKC's primary. They went with a dark blue with all these diamonds in it and kind Brought of back like the a, Argyle. Yeah, an Argyle. I was going to say cardigan, but you're, you're right. The Argyle. Um, and I think it's their primary. So I might be misspeaking about before. But um, no, I was going to say about um, Seattle. Seattle busted out. Um, you know, they have the rave green uh, is the color they usually call it. This one is kind of a lime jello um, neon extravaganza psychedelic green. I really like it. I think it's a really exciting kit. Uh, Matt's shaking his head. It, I think uh, we'll see how it looks on a field. It's a bit much. I mean, that's the only thing is that like it's a lot. And that's the that's the one thing about this kit for the Rapids is like the Rapids have only done in my recollection one kit that was too much or it was a lot. And it's one of my favorites. It's their yellow kit with a little bit of blue and red. Um, but they've never gone like, you know, full uh crazy like like seattle has and now seattle has two kits that and the um the Jimi hendrix kit they dropped last year uh, which are both kind of uh electric and crazy and that might be a bit much so all right matt i've said a lot of words your thoughts on our kit your thoughts on some of the other kit drops uh seattle and new england are definitely on of on the trippin end of the spectrum when it comes to drippin versus trippin um, <clears throat> I'd give the Rapids kit probably a solid 8 out of 10. It would have been nice. I, I will say for those of you who have not seen it yet in person, it is better in person than it is from some of the initial marketing stuff that was put out and way better than the grainy photo that you saw on the leak from EAFC. It would have been nice, Mark, for me to see a little bit more contrast. The dark burgundy on the checkerboard is fine, but maybe make the light burgundy slightly lighter. I think this kit would have been tripping if you made the lighter burgundy and replaced that with blue. Nice to have more blue in the actual shirt itself, especially given that the club for the first time ever will be going burgundy, burgundy, burgundy between shirt, shorts, and socks as well. 
Um, and I really like the initiative behind it, Mark. The you know one of the discourses we had out of the fan protest last year was just feeling like the club didn't have a whole lot of presence in the Commerce City and the Northfield. And I think Montbello's out there as well, the Montbello neighborhood. And so the fact that it's focusing on access to youth soccer as youth sports continue to be difficult to access and financially stringent as well, that is a nice step in the right direction. And focusing really on the home turf of like the you go, you know, knowing that if you're within five miles of Dick Sporting its Park, like the Colorado Rapids and first division MLS team are right there as well. It's a really nice initiative and everything. And Mark, as we've said, usually when it comes to this kit talk and everything, the main thing that you're trying to avoid is you don't want to be the kit that is absolutely getting dunked on. And certainly the Rapids have avoided being the butt of everybody else's jokes in Major League Soccer. What do you think of the Columbus kit? There's a there's a nickname that's already got immediately off the bat. I mean, the the only reason why I like it is because of the nickname it's literally the Charlie Brown shirt. The Charlie so Brown. You literally, someone could go. You, you could literally mix and match the Charlie Brown kit with the old, the white, and then like the red or the blue shorts, whatever it was. Mark with the weird yeah. dots that was supposed to be the Columbus. And you've got black. a Halloween costume. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it's, it's the great. so the joke about that one, Mark, is the color. Uh, pattern is that i think it's the Caillou, the little cancer kid the bald kid on like pbs or um something your kids might have been just old enough to where they would have avoided caillou caillou um, no we so. i watched like one episode with the kids and they hated it they were like okay slow and, slow and boring i do not like this so columbus like they also did like arthur for for those who who know the tv show arthur who that just harsh. wasn't their jam it was a little old for them my kids were a little too young for for arthur so in any case, yeah. uh, about a decade ago, Columbus had the Caillou kit, and then now they have the Charlie Brown kit. And I've already seen Mark uh, some of the some of the Columbus fans get like the shot of like Charlie Brown, and then with like the red beam, like Donald Trump meme eyes almost, and then like you just lost to Charlie Brown. So I'm here for the memes, but yeah, the kit other than that is kind of meh. I don't know that there's an obvious kit this year that everybody's dunking on. To your point, Seattle is loud. Um, I don't care for the New England kit. I think that one's super busy. As well, oh, if, if there's anyone, Mark, that's absolutely tripping, like looking at the new FC Dallas kit, Borderline just gives me a migraine with the gradient they have from left to right between the blue and the red. And I, I kind of dig up. it, but I have I kind of dig it, but I've only seen the kind of electrified PR uh, um, Instagram version. So I, I look forward to seeing like the Rapids kit looks like crazy bright and really red when you see it on Instagram. And then when you get it in person, it's just a very chill burgundy color with like two tones. It's very straightforward, a little bit ska. Speaking of the two tone, you know, yeah. Um, so for those for those for those podcast listeners who are men of a certain age, aka fellow Gen Xers, you will understand that reference. Matt, I will explain what ska is to you when the podcast is I've, over. I've I've been skanking at a ska <laughs> fest before here, Rabbi. <laughs> I haven't been to. Okay. In any case, um, so I think that does it on that mark, um. Rabbi, what do we think of the of the of Scabby the refs that we've seen so far in the eighty seven minutes that uh, Inter Miami and RSL have been playing? How much concern do we have with all of the news around Pro and mm-hmm. them voting down the CBA that MLS is proposing and issues around um, access, benefits, and pay to officials? as well as the resources that are available to them to do the job, and juxtaposing that with the fact that MLS refs are still kind of not that good. And I've already seen from Inside Rapids, there was a clip of a 
counterattack or a corner that I think one of the teams was going on, and the linesman was physically two feet in the field of play. Mark, I'm mm. not super excited about what Scabby the Rat, Scabby the Ref is doing out there and what he could be doing uh, at Providence Park on Saturday. Um, I am sympathetic to all human beings and also uh, a member of a union, the child of a union rep, the son of a union lawyer. So uh, I'm, you know, kind of union for life here. I so there was a he said, she said aspect to the pro PSRA um, releases uh, pros release immediately said we offered the referees between a 33 and a 100 uh, percent salary inc- increase. And then uh, PSRA immediately responded by making three points. One, you offered us a health plan that is totally unaffordable for all of our members and not very quality at all. Two, um, you didn't guarantee enough matches for players, for for refs, um, or enough salary overall. So you can increase our salary at a given game, but if you don't give us enough games, then we don't have any money. Um, And what was the third thing that they were complaining about? I think it had to do with, um, oh, they they made a reference to, um, they were asked to ref a preseason match, and the total compensation for the referees at the preseason match was like, $324. $324. It was like, this is what they do for a living, man. This is like, you know, like that's like a week's worth of income. And if you stretch that out over a season, you know, if you're a referee, if it was that low all year long, you'd be making like 25000 a year. Like that's not really, you know, you got to ref college, high school and, uh, you know, U8s on the side in order to make a living. Um, I mean, I remember here in Pittsburgh, I, I got a sense that it's hard to be a referee. When I looked out at the field at a pit match um, in the middle of uh, October or September, October, and I looked up and I went, is that Soren Stoika in the center as a center ref? And the other guy goes, yeah, why? And I said, because he refs MLS and he was refing a game in Philadelphia three nights ago. And he's like, yeah, they all do that. They're all refing NCAA on the weekends and on the weekdays when they're not refing MLS on the weekends, you know, like that's, you have to, like, you've got to hustle. You've got to work that much. They shouldn't have to, like, it should be a fairly well-paid full-time job and you should feel comfortable and it should be well-paid enough that people say, this is a good career and I would want to do this for a living. So we've got to get there. And um, I think the biggest argument that PSRA has towards pro in the collective bargaining is, oh my God, the new Apple contract, and oh my God, the new Messi Suarez Busquets Alba, and oh my God, the league is on the come up, and a rising tide needs to lift all the boats. And so that's, I think, the, the biggest argument. So, I, you know, I, I don't fully understand the ins and outs of it. I think um, uh, the longer the the small sample size, I didn't think there was anything so bad in this game that I watched. Um, but then again, I had to go run out and pick up my kid after 45 minutes. But um, I think the longer this goes on, I think when we go into like week two or week three of MLS and there are some egregious mistakes and there may even be like a game or two where a whole play is kicked and it is has a reversal of the fortune of the game. I think that'll probably be serious leverage for the referees. 
well said there, Mark. I mean, I've, I think I've said this on HTHL at least once as well. I just, there's too many examples in professional sports where the ability for the league and for the owners to go without a particular service or a particular quality of some component of it, whether it's playing staff or otherwise, their ability to deal with that is usually longer than the the the, the employer, the capital's ability to go without particular labor supersedes labor's ability to go without getting paid and so to your point mark about the as crappy as it is that you know referees were looking to have their own preseason and get ready and we're having to potentially fly out and only get a couple hundred bucks as well and have to do games midweek as well in order to make their living even with all their travel accommodated and the other benefits that they had or were fighting for as well i think the reality is that mls can deal with scabby the ref scabby the rat for a few more weeks longer then Mark Geiger, Fotis Pazakos, Ishmael Elfath can go just straight up not getting paid. At the end of the day, like the, the mortgage, the car payment, the rent, you know, uh, food for the kid. At the end of the day, that has to get paid. And the MLS owner pockets are way deeper. And this is a drop in the bucket. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Mark, let's talk about some Rapids related stuff. So all of the people, listeners are releasing their various team specific season previews and everything. I'll be having mine up on Burgundy Wave, hopefully by the time you are listening to this on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. But Rabbi, if you have not seen MLSsoccer.com came out with their mother of all previews for every single team. Matt Doyle did his ranking all of the teams and he even uh, did the due diligence of putting the Rapids in the fun but uncertain mystery box rather than putting mm-hmm. them clearly below so that's automatically gives me some optimis uh some optimism but looking here rabbi you know marcelo baboa former rapids player rapids legend has the rapids ninth and then there's a bunch of pundits and former players and apple tv employees and writers and uh and content creators who have the rapids below ninth um including we have um Sammy Sad- uh, Sadovnik, who I do not know what that person does, is 14th. And then two former players, two former MLS legends. Bradley Wright Phillips has the Rapids last in the Western Conference, as well as Diego Valeri. Sammy's and- a commentator who started with NYCFC and came over to the league in the in the new Apple deal. He's solid, uh, but I don't. And one of the fun things is we asked all of the guys who do radio and TV commentary to talk about the whole league, even though we never let them out of the Eastern Conference, and we've only they've only been covering MLS for three years, so it's a it's a mixed bag from Marcelo Balboa, who played in the league when it was started in 1996, to Johnny Come Lately's, who Matt has never heard of. So, mm-hmm. so looking at this, Mark, like the I, I just have to immediately like so effectively these three people, Rabbi, and I'm not taking shots at them. I'm not taking shots at Sammy Setakovic, and obviously. Uh, I would love to. I'm I'm being curious, not judgmental, at what would very <laughs> easily someone say. Oh, they're a rapids hater, or oh, they're just maintaining the status quo, or oh, Bradley Wright Phillips only focuses on the Eastern Conference. He hasn't done his research. He doesn't even know that Zach Steffen and Jordy Mihailovic are back with the Rapids. So my curiosity market here is: yeah. I think I've got. Uh, I think there, there's a couple of buckets that I think people are in, and then possibly there's one or more of them that they're taking into account in saying that as much as the Rapids have done this offseason, it's really only benefited them three to four places at the most here. I think the the first one and maybe the easy one or the most simple one is just simply 
I'm not, uh, these people are not convinced by the Chris Armas hire. They're not convinced that he's a good head coach. And despite the good PR that he's had and the way that he's comported himself with players, staff, fans, media, and everything, at the end of the day, his track record speaks for itself. And he's had four jobs in the last however many years, and they've all ended badly. So Chris Armas isn't a good head coach. This is not solving the problem. Second one is, a, I think, a general thought that the roster moves that have happened, that there is a sense of doubt towards them, effectively saying that you think something to prove FC will not prove the thing, the something that they are trying to prove. And so that is then maybe doubt on Sam Vines, who hasn't been healthy, <clears throat> and then didn't play well in his European club. We could say the same thing about Zach Steffen. Maybe Jordi Mihailovic isn't the one that they're particularly doubting. And I wonder, Mark, how many of these people think what we now think about Jasper Loffelsen as someone who is a fringe guy at times for just Real Salt Lake. I think that's another possible bucket for the people who are in that category. I would want to know, I'd want receipts on their thoughts that Zach Steffen didn't deserve to win goalkeeper of the year when he won it. I'd like to see their 2022 MLS uh, ballot for MVP and see that Jordi Mihailovic wasn't in the top 10. And I would like to see um, other thoughts they had about how Sam Vines didn't deserve a call up to the U.S. national team in 2021 in which he played through in the Gold Cup and then obviously then made his move to Antwerp after that as well. So if those people doubted all of those players when they were playing well on other MLS teams and then got moves to Europe, I can live with that as well. The one that Matt Doyle is keenly leaning on, Mark, and Joe Lowry is as well, is the doubts about the goal scoring, where we like some of what we've seen from Rafael Navajo. We like his pressing. The reality is he didn't do a lot with the service that he got, but the main problem in the games that he played last year was just not getting any, not getting enough services all. So I think pretty much everybody fairly is out on Kevin Cabral. That is a, he is a, <laughs> a dead weight designated player at this point. I don't know that he's he's definitely not starting this weekend for me, Mark. I think there's a possible there's a reality where Chris Armas doesn't even have him on the bench potentially. We'll we'll get to that in a little bit though. And then so Rafael Navajo, if he doesn't work out, if he's not retained, if he scores too many goals, and then maybe um, you know, uh, the fee ends up getting renegotiated. We've seen the Rapids not handle these transitions from loans to option to buy very quickly, nor very smoothly. So I think that's a valid point as well where are the goals coming from if it's not we know it's not cabral we're questionable on uh on on darren yappy and if it's not rafael navajo who is it and it's probably nobody and if you've got two deadweight dps and no goal score you're probably not a very good team in mls and then the other one that i think possibly is there but again i would question the research or how much someone was paying attention specifically to the Rapids offseason is just thinking that financially and in terms of talent, the gap was so big that as great as a winter that the Rapids did have, this was just them catching up. So rather than being on 27 points last year and being 15 points out of the playoff spots, they'll raise two or three playoff, uh, two or three positions in the table but that's equivalent to 13 points but that still has them below the ever-increasing line to get into the playoffs so those are my hypotheses and from what i've seen from what other people have said to explain their various arguments behind seeding certain mls teams in certain areas as well that's the thought that i have i'm not saying anybody's unprofessional i'm not saying mark that anybody on this list where their day job is to know about mls they should be researching the colorado rapids such as an Apple TV broadcast crew who will have the Rapids and Portland Timbers again this weekend and multiple times 
covered Rapids games last year where they said things that were wrong that suggest to me that they weren't doing their research. And by doing their research, I mean reading to the bottom of Rapids press releases to say nothing of reading what other people who cover them locally are doing. But so those are my thoughts, Mark. Uh, Rabbi, your thoughts on the pessimism from the national media? Or is this just, are you bookmarking it and no one likes us, we don't care? I I like these predictions mostly. I think you're probably right that a lot of them are a little bit underinformed, and I think in general MLS leaning on their Apple broadcasters to do the lion's share of the commenting was a little bit questionable. There's a really nice mixed bag on the MLS website of who they asked. Um, Andrew Wiebe and Joe Lowry, who I really respect, and I think they know a lot about the league. I like Jake Zivin. I'm not really sure I throw, trust him as far as I throw him. Um, Marcelo Balboa has takes, and I like that um, he has takes, and he watches an insane amount of soccer. Um, I think the challenge with Marcelo is he's got to watch uh, Liga MX and MLS games, and so he's kind of spread a little bit thin. Um, Matt Doyle is, you know, the 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 grand brain of all of them, um, and those are the, the main guys there who who comment. Um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips picked us for dead last, and so did Diego Valeri. So that's that's uh, Matt. Matt, you're on mute, so you're gonna have to say that again. But um, that was. I, I think I know. Um, I've heard from multiple people, Mark. There were a number of players on the outskirts of uh, on their way out with Red Bulls um, when there was the transition from Jesse Marsh to Chris Armis, and a number of players did not rate Chris Armis, and Bradley Wright Phillips may have been one of them. So I can oh, completely, snap. I can completely understand. Like, yeah, it's like the hey guy who effectively retired me when I was a good player and moved on from me, and he's been crap ever since. Like the, and I'm not saying that BW, I'm, I'm, I'm not. This is what I've heard, listeners. I no, cannot no, confirm I, this, but I'm not like the. There's a reason that what would be a good example of this rabbi who's a coach who like was absolutely on the outs. Like, um, listen, I, if, if they asked me to rank the, the day school, the heads of day schools in North America, the top 10, to the bottom 10, uh, I would rank the guy who fired me pretty low, right? Like I, yes. I, we, we all can be petty. And this is your opportunity as an MLS pundit to be very, I think it's a brilliant po- point, Matt, really well done. Um, this is your one opportunity to be very subtly petty. And, and, you know, if that's what's going on with Bradley Wright Phillips, then he just says, I think the Rapids will probably finish 11th, but this is my opportunity to stick a knife in the side of Chris Armis and twist it a little bit. Kudos to you, BWP. Kudos to you, right? Um, I will just also add that I believe, um, uh, one of the other things that happened in the punditry was, I think it was Matt Doyle in, Matt Doyle wrote so many preseasony things, and the last one kind of just dropped, um, I think yesterday or today. But he wrote something that was basically the same about Chris Armas, which was, you know, why they'll be good. You know, the Rapids have a solid team, and they've improved in all these positions, and they went out and spent money, and da da da, da. and why they might be bad. It's like maybe Chris Armas isn't a very good coach, and we all are going to find that out for sure this year. And that's I think I think Matt Doyle right wrote that. I hope I hope uh, that's correct, but. But that's that's a that's a real thought that's out there. And I know that when um, I interviewed um, Mark Fishkin over at Seeing Red, um, that was a lot of his comment, which was basically that like his time at Red Bull was Red Bulls was not 
well regarded and they don't think of him fondly. And I don't think most Red Bulls fans believe that he can coach worth a damn. So um, the other thing I wanted to add really quickly is um, MLS uh, MLSsoccer.com is not the only game in town when it comes to preseason po- prognostication. Um, there were also uh, there was also a bunch of good preseason stuff from Joe Lowry at Backheeled. Um, you should subscribe to that and um, read that for your soccer listening and viewing pleasure. And also the crew over at The Athletic did a great job of writing up some um, predictions. The Western Conference, um, so uh, the MLS folks ranked us between like 9th and 14th, the high being Marcelo at 9th and the low being BWP at 14th and everybody else was somewhere in the middle. The guys at The Athletic ranked the Rapids between 7th and 13th. Um, Cloquet and Pablo Maurer have us at 13th. Um, uh, Tommy Scoops, Tom Bogert, and uh, Jeff Reuter uh, have the Rapids at seventh. Um, Felipe Cardenas, uh, who is um, the superstan of uh, Atlanta United, has us at eleventh, and so does Paul Tenorio. Tenorio, he of the advanced metrics, and um, Tenorio, me, and Doyle are constantly thinking the same thing all the time, which is. What does the XG and XA numbers indicate for expected points and which team is most likely to suffer from regression? We're, we're more likely to, to look at it that way. Whereas Cardenas and, and Maurer are more like vibes guys. They're like, Ooh, I like the feeling of this team, you know, and you know, like, uh, Mercury's in retrograde and stuff like that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's probably better to do it the way Matt Doyle does with tears and just say like, this is a team that could finish, depending on luck and the spinning of the wheel of chance, uh, as high as X and as low as Y. Saying they're definitely going to get this is is really tough, with the exception of first place uh, in every conference and maybe the last three places in every conference. Um, you'd be high if you weren't picking Seattle to win the whole thing. They just have quality at every position in the Western Conference. And the last thing, last thing, last thing I'll say is... Um, the craziest thing in the MLS preseason predictions that I did not see till today was um, in Matt Doyle's uh, uh, tiered ranking. There's basically like of the the top eight teams in MLS, seven of them are Eastern Conference. The the things are really skewed right now, um, both for pundits and for even um, the average uh, kind of uh, watcher to the Eastern Conference. And I think the the odds on favorite to win the league is is coming from the Eastern Conference this year. So Border Shield is definitely coming from the Eastern Conference for me, Mark. And to put the to put some to to put our own um views on the Rapids on the record here, uh listeners, both of us already tweeted out um on X our rankings of the entire Western Conference. I did the East and the West, Mark. That's something that I've done for a number of years as well. And I welcome any MLS fan uh, to bookmark that and then absolutely roast me when your team finishes higher than I had them predicted to finish. But so, Rabbi, you've got the Rapids finishing seventh. That's higher than any pundit uh, from the MLS group as well. And then I had the Rapids eighth, just maybe one seed effectively, maybe as little as one point above where Marcelo Baboa had them. So yeah. they're not entirely Mike, out of pocket Matt, here. Matt, will you give me your um, your prediction, your two predictions that you thought went against the grain 
one team that you have high and everyone else is less excited about and one team you have low and everyone else is thrilled with? Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure on Sporting Kansas City's the big unknown for me, Mark. I was on the I'll include a link in the show notes because it's the first time that Last Word SC is recorded in a while, but we did our full season preview on Sunday with friend uh, mutual friend Rachel Krieger. Mark and then Daniel Sperry was also on there and we were both kind of uncertain about sporting Kansas City like I could see them as high as fourth if they get the DP to replace Gatikinda correct and if Alan Paluto is out for the year as he has been more than once as well with an injury in the next couple weeks I could see them comfortably missing the playoffs so they're the big uncertain one I have sporting finishing fifth maybe Dan got me drinking the Kool-Aid right there as well um, let's see, uh, teams that I'm high on, I really rate the Vancouver Whitecaps. I think they've done a really good job balancing their team out and everything. And I think Vanny Sartini has gone from strength to strength as well. And I think they will prioritize league play and trying to do something, not having other competitions in ways that Seattle does and in ways that LAFC does that could be simplified by Open Cup not happening. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. But I've got Vancouver second in the West right now. And I know that's higher than a lot of people have them as well. And then I just, I, once again, Mark, I I genuinely think that Portland and Minnesota are one major injury to their most important player away from being absolutely terrible. Um, If Emmanuel Reynoso does not finish the season with Minnesota United, given what's going on at the front office and the head coaching position, Minnesota, I think genuinely could contend for the wooden spoon in terms of in the Eastern conference. I'm high on Orlando winning the uh, winning um, the supporter shield and finishing top in the Eastern Conference. I've got Columbus second. They're the only MLS team to return all 11 of their starters, but playing all the way through and hosting MLS Cup, even winning MLS Cup, it's hard to then have an absolutely fantastic regular season after that, especially when you've got Champions League. Uh, Inter Miami has officially defeated Real Salt Lake by a score of 2 0 to open the season, but I'm concerned about injuries, and MLS Cup is the most important thing that's going to be there. And to your point, Rabbi, about XG and certain stats and teams that may have overperformed one year that could be regressing to this year, FC Cincinnati, I think, had the most number of one goal wins. And that's generally not something that's not something that translate out over the course of an extended period of time. It's more random. It's similar to the NHL shootout statistics where it's effectively random and teams that over, you know, that wins 65, 70 percent of their shootouts in the NHL then regress down to sub 50% the year afterwards as well. So I think Cincy will be a little bit down. Um, Other ones that I have, Mark, I mean, I've got Nashville missing the playoffs. I've got LA Galaxy missing the playoffs. I have Minnesota and Portland, the aforementioned, finishing 11th and 12th as well. Um, I think Greg Vanny's on the hot seat. I think if uh, if Nashville doesn't do anything, given they've done very little in the preseason, then I think Gary Smith could be on the outs as well. Um, or at least that's a possibility. He's not my favorite. If if you had to, if I had to guess right now, first head coach to get fired. If the Galaxy, you know, are outside the playoffs five, seven games in as well, I could see things getting really tough for Greg Vanny, especially since this is now clearly Will Koontz's front office. But as I said, Mark, I've got the Rapids making the playoffs in eighth. You've got the Rapids making the playoffs in seventh. I think that's about as high as we can put them without being called uh, shills by RSL fans or other people. Mark, nice. we've got some other stuff to talk about, including previewing the season against the Portland Timbers. But first, Mark, we've got some updates on the merch front. Tell holding the high line listeners how they can best support our content and get that sweet, sweet 2024 merch. 
Another season is upon us, and the Rapids are back. This team seems much improved from last year, and in that same vein, holding the high line is back and better than ever. We've got podcastly goodness and written content and bonus audio for our paid subscribers, too. But wait, there's more. There's also Ginseng Knives. They cut, they slice, they dice, they julian fries. No, no, not really. We've got um swag. Great swag for paid subscribing highlighters. We've got a high-quality athletic shirt. This is a moisture-wicking tee with the new HTHL Crest logo designed by the amazing Dwayne Brown. You can choose from two options, the Hanes Sport Cool uh, Dry Performance Shirt in black or the Sport Tech Drift Performance Shirt in gray camo. You'll also get a Holding the Highline sticker to slap on one of the lift towers at Vail or Eldora or Winter Park, or just put it on your wife's Stanley mug. But you got to subscribe before supplies, supplies run out. Additionally, subscribe before the annual price goes up in just a few days. So you can become a monthly subscriber at the rate of currently $5 a month, a, uh, a annual subscriber currently at the rate of $42. That rate is going to go up to $48 in just a few days. Um, and then finally, you can join our Gallery of Honor plan to be a founding member of the podcast at $96. That is just basically an extra tip in our cup. Um, one additional note for those of you who are um, subscribing, to keep the prices lowish, low, low, um, we're going to ask politely if you could um, uh, defray the cost of shipping uh, when we ship out the shirts so that me and Matt don't actually lose money putting together this podcast by sending you guys really cool merch. We're we're, we're, so, we're just on the black side of breaking even, just to be <laughs> clear, folks. And the more highlighters we get, the more money we get, we just put into the system. Rabbi, I have a question. What's going on shirt size-wise? Ooh, there are lots of options. You can go all the way down to extra small or double XL. There's at the X, if I'm not, I, I don't want to get this wrong, but we only have the extra small in one color and the double XL in another. I think that we only have the extra small in the black and we only have double XL in the gray. But that's a lot of options. We've never done multiple options of color shirt and we've never done anything other than the cheapest shirt money could buy. Um, also, last year, we basically went with the cheapest mug money could buy when it came to pint glasses, and they don't do very well in the dishwasher. And that was a disappointing thing that I learned myself. The cool thing about being a highlighter is we'll keep coming out with merch. And so if the previous season's merch breaks on the dining room floor uh, or gets torn up by the cat, don't worry, folks, we'll make more. Also, for anybody who's interested, you could DM me or uh, email me offline. But we still have a couple of the um, In Mike We Trust shirts from a few years ago. If you never got an In Mike We Trust, um, I'll put those on sale for a bargain sale price. Um, Ten just bucks DM more? me. Just DM me or email me. Well, 10 bucks is the price of shipping. So how about oh. 18? 18 is okay. a good number. All right. eight, eight bucks a shirt plus shipping. Can't, can't beat that. So, okay. so hit me up, folks. I'm going to petition to our union rep, given we were talking about unions earlier. I'm going to petition the next time that we do a clothing-based merch option that we get, we decouple the unisex sizings and we have a proper, uh, we have some 
uh, binary gender options between nice. uh, men's sizing and women's sizing as well. Because I can, I've, I've spoken to a few in person, Mark. I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, since you control and maybe see people's names. Again, if we're assuming people's genders here, I yes. feel fairly confident we have at least five. We could be double digit in terms of Highline ladies as well. And I do not we think have- we. We have um, many subscribers. Uh, in terms of paid subscribers, they trend almost uh, overwhelmingly male. But I, 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 did, I know we have at least I know at least four highliners we have who are um, who are women. Yes, and I I definitely if 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 uh, not to get too much into the business side, but it becomes uh, it becomes only cost effective once you hit like a dozen. So um, I'm not saying we need more women to subscribe to make shirts. We will make women's shirts in the near future, regardless of whether it makes any financial sense. Lord knows that Matt and I do not do this podcast because it makes any business sense whatsoever for us. We do this because we love the Colorado Rapids, and we bring you shirts because we love the Colorado Rapids. And we like talking about them, even when they're terrible. In lieu of that, if there's other female-based merch that you would like to exist that you think would be easier for us to do as well um we are open to suggestion for our highline ladies or for if, if you want to see other merch as well mark i was the one who was clamoring for us to have more stickers as well and so we're getting those out there Sticker. as well i know we've talked about magnets as well so if there's something that you want to see magnets. that we could do at scale very easily for like five bucks ahead we are open to suggestions here beer well. koozies are gender gender neutral Bottle openers are, are gender, gender neutral. All right, okay. anyways, moving on. Let's preview a soccer game, Matt. Listeners, this coming Saturday, February 24th at 8.30 p.m., the Colorado Rapids will be taking on the Portland Timbers at Providence Park in their opening game of the 2024 MLS season. Mark, I'm looking right now at the MLS table and by the notes of a certain team based Further down the mountain in Utah, the Colorado Rapids are not last in the Western Conference. Mark, did you see my joke on Twitter earlier today about how they should stop the count? Nope. No? Okay, so if you look at it, Mark, right now, the 2024 standings for the teams that haven't played a game, they're just listed Uh. alphabetically. So right now, the Colorado Rapids, albeit are tied for first in the West in the 13-way tie, but they are listed alphabetically in second so i uh mark we should petition right now given that mls is suspending the competition rules because they don't trust that scabby the ref is going to be able to implement their rule changes and everything we should just end the mls regular season right now and have the rapids finish second in the western conference because i feel like even with diego rubio the rapids having home field advantage could go could make it to a conference final and then take on austin fc and beat austin at uh, at the treehouse down there in Austin, even with Jossie Zardes and Diego Rubio. So stop, hashtag stop the count, MLS. But so, Mark, the Rapids haven't played a game. Um, we know what is going on with the Portland Timbers. Phil Neville has come in as head coach. That is much to the chagrin of the Portland Timbers faithful, uh, given some comments that Phil Neville made previously on social media about women and everything. Uh, Vander is still there. He was their big acquisition. Acquisition this time last year, but there's rumblings if Google Translate translates Portuguese as well as I think it does, that he would have liked to go back to Brazil, and there was certainly interest in that. Yimi Chara is gone. Um, they have an open DP slot as of right now that, in theory, there are rumblings that they're going to be signing a striker. 
mark. I feel pretty confident that that striker is not going to be signed in with the team and then starting by Saturday night, given that they have not signed him yet. The rumor mill is dead quiet on that as well. They have Diego Tra and Eric Williamson, who are both back from injuries last year. Their big defensive acquisitions this year, Mark, were Kamal Miller coming over from Inter-Miami as Inter-Miami had to shed some cap space. And then Maxine Crepeau, who was Wally Pipped by one Hugo Loris at LAFC, is now joining the Portland Timbers as well. I mean, Mark, I, I feel about the Portland Timbers like I felt about them for years right now. They have one really good attacker that previously was Sebastian Blanco. Before that, it was Diego Valeri, is currently a Vander, where if you shut him down, I'm not really convinced on other players they have. They have a mostly Central and South American core that is mostly in their early to mid-30s that get muscle and soft tissue injuries. And this is a team that functionally is held up by Diego Chara and duct tape and peanut butter at this point. And they've got questions at center back, whether or not Kamal Miller is able to solve them is a good question. And while Maxine Crepeau has won a lot of silverware and been in big games with LAFC, Mark, if you look at the underlying numbers like you, me, Joe Lowry, or Matt Matt Doyle would as well, we would see that he's been a fairly average regular season goalkeeper, and he's also does not start seasons necessarily well that well. Mark, this is a Portland Timbers team that I think is beatable. This is a Portland Timbers team that I do not expect to make the playoffs this year. And given, as we'll get to in a minute, the first seven games for the Rapids are really, really tough. If you could get four points from these first two games with a beatable Portland team, and very similarly, a Nashville team that is centered around Hani Mukhtar, and if you neutralize him, you should get a result, and the defense is not as good as it once was, that's a really good start for you. Mark, I expect the Rapids to come out. They're going to press. They're going to be direct. They're going to try and find space. Rabbi, I think the Rapids can win this one on Saturday. Wow, that's a bold call. Uh, I am, uh, my experience with Rapids away openers is that they're kind of chaotic. They're a little sloppy, and there's a lot of kind of randomness put in there. Um, my experience with the Colorado Rapids over the last like five or six seasons is that all teams in MLS, defense is better than offense at the beginning of the season. Goal scorers have a hard time kind of like finding their shooting boots, as they say in England. Um, but the Rapids have a harder time than average. They're, Colorado has not been a great scoring team in the time that I've covered them. Um, there's been only like one or two seasons, Kai Kamara and Diego Rubio, uh, where the the striker was really kind of banging in goals left, right, and center. Um, this is not that team. This is not that game. Uh, the defense will probably exceed the offense. If you're tuning in to watch an exciting, high-energy, upbeat match between two teams with firepower offenses, you will be sorely disappointed. This is This game is ticketed for 0-0 or 1-1 at best. Um, if, if the, if the over under on this game is, uh, 2.5, take the under for sure. It's probably lower, but anyways. Um, so that's kind of like my take on, on this team. Kamal Miller, I'm a big fan of, uh, he's been getting better and better. Uh, and that has gotten him some looks from the USMNT or is he Canada? No, he's Canada. Canada. Uh, he's played on the Canadian national team. I knew he was on a national team. Um, Maxime Crepeau, I'm higher on than you are. I thought he really steadied LAFC when they had him. 
um, and they kind of overachieved, even though you are right, Matt, his um, advanced metrics XG numbers to goals allowed weren't wasn't that great. Like the team played really well and he had kind of an above average win percentage, but his kind of advanced statistics kind of implied that he was more of like a leagueish averageish goalkeeper. That being said, um, I think those two guys steady the Portland Timbler Timbers a lot. They did lose Sebastian Blanco. They lost Yaroslav Nizgoda. Nizgoda was hurt for almost the entire time he played for them. Um, he never was particularly useful. Um, they've lost Yimi Chara, Diego Chara's uh, brother. Diego Chara is 38 years old. He's like uh, literally going to roll out there in a rocking chair with a pipe and a cane. Um, but he'll and still, murder. still be one of the best defensive midfielders right. in the league. He'll... To be clear, he will hold the high line. But yes, Mark, one hamstring he's... injury in this midfield is is. You said that last year. Um, he's great. I think the crazy thing about him is it is a is a fundamental Portland Timbers question, which is, you know, was what made Diego Chara amazing the fact that even at thirty two and thirty four. He was charging around the midfield and could cover a ton of ground. Um, or was he a great defensive midfielder? Is he a great defensive midfielder, even if he can't cover nearly as much ground? Does he anticipate well? Does he play a ball really well? Does he know where to stand? And does his positioning hold up when his legs have gone a little bit? Um, I think the even money is on this team not being very good. I picked them. They finished 10th last year. I picked them to finish 11th this year. That being said, I think they'll probably start the year a little bit better than they will end it. I think as time goes on, they're going to struggle and decline. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other players on this team that are not quite up for it this year. Dyron Asprilla, Aspria, I know, um, is uh, getting past his kind of uh, due date. Eric Miller, former Colorado Rapid, lovely guy. Uh, we really like him. What's up, um, Susan? He's a, he's a solid stay-at-home defender, but I think this team is going to need more from him or from a fullback than he's really capable of delivering. Um, and Larry Mabiala is still possibly starting on the back line, and I don't think he's up for it anymore. Um, so this is a this is a team that has a lot of weaknesses. The Rapids should be able to. I think they're going to go in and play fairly pragmatic negative football it's gonna be locked down um they'll play to hit on the counter they'll probably have around 40 percent possession and they're either gonna squeak out of there on a nil nil or a one one yeah i think we're um conservative mark in that they're going to be i don't think they're going to be bunkering and countering i think they're going to try and press portland we're going to see a lot more pressing triggers and action from them but yes i think this will be a great great call matt and one of the things that was most annoying about the preseason was i didn't get to see what the rapids were doing at all and so i have no idea um how much it's going to look like old school red bull under the um kind of red bull high press uh uh, and and gagan press offense so you've already given your prediction mark i'm gonna be i'm gonna be the optimist here i think one nil i'm gonna say jordy to I'm going to say Jordy to Navarro for the one goal, but let's let's pivot this into front field 20 mark because I got some really good insight when I was out at training on Tuesday. But first, Rabbi, I think the three big question marks we have at from a starting standpoint are 
who's playing at center back next to Max So, who's playing in the middle alongside Ronan, although as of Tuesday, Lamine Diak had not yet joined the team as well. So I think, Mark, let's let's agree it's Jasper Loffelson in the middle <laughs> there. So, Rabbi, give me your right center back in the back four next to Andres, and then give me your right winger alongside Cole Bassett and behind Rafael Navajo, because I think we both agree Cole at the 10, Hoffa at the 9, and Jordi on the left. My guess is that uh, Lala Sububakar starts the season. He's the experienced guy. You go on the road. You want to start with, you know, kind of your veterans. Um, and I do think that uh, you're likely Matt's. I was uh, coming up with different alternatives, but Matt's been at training and he knows the reality that it's probably going to be Georgie Mihailovic on the left. Um, it's going to be Connor Ronan at the back, Cole Bassett in the middle. Um, the right side is probably going to be Jonathan Lewis. Um, and if it's anything like what we've seen in the past with the Rapids, Lewis will probably flip flop sides and play inverted on the left for a little bit um, at some point later on. Um, and then it's going to be, like you said, Matt, probably Lofuson, uh in the back. Or it's possible, I think this is a look, but I wouldn't start at the first week, that you go Ronan and Bassett as the twin sixes. You try Omir Fernandez as your center mid and Mihailovic out on the left. My favorite lineup that they're probably not going to do is more like a 4-3-3 where there are kind of two wings up at the top next to Navajo um, and your center three are Ronan, Mihailovic and, and Bassett. So then you have, you know, kind of like maybe a Cabral on the left and a um, and a Lewis on the right and Navajo in the middle. I don't think they'll do that this week. I don't, I don't know if they'll do that ever, but it's a thought. So, I think they're. Um, I think Armis is going to want the double pivot from a defensive standpoint, Mark. And you want Bassett further upfield because he's going to be able to press, and you just want Ronan and Lawfulson to play off of each other and just cover ground and tackle the snot out of a van. Yeah. So I think that's what you go with. Um, I kind of I I want to believe Mark. I I know I've been hyping him up the last couple podcasts. I want to believe that Moise Bombito is the eventual starter next to Maxo. But I agree with you. I think you go with. MLS experience and just somebody who's going to be able to deal with that environment. And we've seen that Moist doesn't handle big pressure moments or tense moments very well. And say what you will about Lawless Abubakar, who is a chaos merchant of a meat truck, that <laughs> in those kinds of moments, he doesn't get scared. He doesn't shrink. He does not fear making a mistake. He goes in there to try and make a play. And I think you want that level of intensity from Lawless. He is also a huge set piece problem to deal with. Yes. Um, if you need one goal and you have, you know, four corner kicks or six corner kicks in a game, Lawless coming off of the Loki's toboggan is probably your best bet. We've seen him score on Loki's toboggan so many times. We might as well be calling it Lawless's toboggan at this point. <laughs> oh. Technically, that. Technically, that play is called Russia, and we've already covered that on the podcast many times. For those of you who are newish highliners, um, go back into the Substack and go look up Loki's Toboggan. Loki's Toboggan, by the way, I think is the second most popular all-time um, article we've ever done for the Substack. Um, the most part, uh, most popular, Matt, is uh, my ode to Grant Wall after his passing. So pour one out for Grant Wall as the season begins. And the third most popular, if I'm not mistaken, is the Vinesback article that's making the rounds again. Now that people are like, oh, 
Sam Vines, who is this young stallion who is playing for the Rapids? I've never heard of him. I like the cut of his jib. The answer is, we've seen him before. He came from Colorado. He's born and raised in Pueblo. So He's, he's in some Belgian Colorado Springs. Guy. Colorado Springs. Okay. <laughs> Making a joke there. Um, so then <laughs> I, I think the... Uh, so the question then, Mark, is who's playing at the right wing, right midfield position, and me and Warners on um, on Box State footy really duped it out in terms of that position. I want to, we're, we're not, we haven't seen the availability report, folks. That should be out in your inboxes on, uh, on Friday morning. Uh, I've heard from someone that now the league is going to be doing that, Mark. So rather than it being included in the individual game notes, which teams release and can be inconsistent, I'm sure there is an MLS team that already has their game notes ready to go for Saturday games. And there will be MLS teams that will not release it until. 9 or 10 p.m. local time on Friday nights, and that has been inconsistent throughout. So I've been told that availability injury reports will be released by the league, and it will all be at one time, and I haven't been told the exact date. I want to believe it'll be Friday mornings for games that happen on Saturdays, or at least for the weekend matchups that are coming as well. So I want to say, Mark, that they're going to be a little bit cautious with Omir because he wasn't playing as much during mm. preseason. And I also think Omir is mostly useful when you're pressing and the team is trying to play out of the back. And in that regard, he doesn't work as well for being direct. If you want somebody who's going to be wide and cut inside, I think it's pretty clearly Calvin Harris. I think it's a coin flip between him and Jonathan Lewis. I would personally, if I was Chris Armis, I would go with Johnny because to your point, I don't know that the Rapids are going to have that much of the ball. But I also think there's going to be space when they win it back, and you want someone who's going to be a very direct winger. And so in that regard, you want Vines on the left, you want Jordy more inside but still on the left, Cole's still going to be centrally for the most part. And then I have to think Keegan staying at home for the most part then leaves Johnny free if Johnny's playing on his off wing to then be a little bit more direct. So then you've got those options, and in there I would just slightly favor Lewis's skill set as opposed to Harris's skill set. I'm, I mean, we're picking at straws here, Mark. The, whether it's Omir, whether it's Johnny, whether it's Calvin, I don't think it's going to make or break, um, this game. It's what the other big acquisitions for this club are able to do and whether or not this team's able to withstand the pressure of the moment and the energy that certainly the Timbers Army provides, which has been an absolute nightmare for the Burgundy boys in years past. But Mark, let's get to from field 20, or should I say from the new turf pitches just south of Dale's pub as well. Um, the I've, I've been I've been going blah, 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 blah. I've been to Rapids training a few times now that they've had it out there. Mark uh, Chris Armis is a big talker and a big energy guy, and that is immediately a departure from how Robin Frazier normally ran his sessions. And the other th- uh, thing, big thing that I noticed as well, Mark, from being there on Tuesday, is they haven't quite done large scale things going on. They did not do any major scrimmages across an entire field 11 v 11 that's not uncommon for a tuesday training where you're just starting out the week for preparing for an opponent and it's not uncommon this early in the season but with a lot of small scale stuff marks so think like 5v2 rondo and when they broke out into individual units they were focusing on different pieces of the actual passing build-up game in terms of going direct so the center backs were working together to get the ball out wide the full the wide backs were working to get the ball forward the midfielders were working to get the ball forward and to a wide position as well and then the attackers Rafael, Jordi, Cole, Omir, Johnny, Calvin those guys were then focusing on finishing drills as well so to that point 
those are all different components of let's win the ball back in the middle, get it back to our defense, get it out wide, get it out forward, and then get it into the box. So I spoke with Chris Armis after training, and one of the things that he talked about was the the team's in a good place fitness-wise. They believe they have a clean bill of health or will have a clean bill of health despite some of the absences that we've seen in preseason. But the team is not yet at a state physically where they can fully implement all of the layers of what he's asking or what he'll want to implement with the system. And so the not the concern, but the thing that the coaching staff is cognizant about is how do we ramp up what the team needs to do physically? And then how do we not overload them with information or get them the right information that they can process and then implement that they're their brains can understand the information that's going on. Their bodies are at a state in terms of fitness to where their bodies can implement it and have it not be too much information. So I want to be clear, the version of the Rapids that we see on Saturday with the system that Armis has implemented so far and with how much familiarity the new players are still getting with each other, that we could see a big change between where the club is on Saturday and where they are in two to three months. To say nothing again, Mark, of the importance of the start of the season because those first seven games that the Rapids have after they play Portland Timbers, they are hosting Nashville SC. We've seen what Gary Smith's side can do to the Rapids. Then they're at RSL. We know how that normally goes. They're at Seattle Mm. Sounders. We know how that normally Mm. goes. Houston Dynamo were a better team this past year, but that game is at DSG in Houston. Jekyll and Hyde between home and away. Hosting LAFC, is that going to be easy? No. Do the Rapids usually, are they able to get a point when LAFC comes in? Isn't firing on all cylinders? Yes. Then they're at Inter-Miami, and then that is game number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So, I mean, Mark, those are some really, that's a really, really tough start. And then after that, you've got at San Jose, they can get a result there. Hosting FC Dallas, they should be able to get a result. And then you've got back-to-back road games, Cincinnati and NYCFC. The only reason I have optimism there, Mark, is Chris Armis and Mo uh, and and Omir Fernandez know what it's like playing a soccer game on a baseball diamond. Maybe they know something can inform their other teammates in ways that the Rapids have historically been unprepared going to the five bros as well. But so I just I, I want to caution fans that a really bad start in terms of the table and in terms of the form might not be indicative of the rest of the season because of how much progress that Chris Armis will have made with the team tactically and physically at that point to say nothing of the fact that the schedule is front-loaded. I don't know that we said this explicitly, Mark, when we did the podcast after the schedule got dropped. The non-conference schedule is front-loaded in terms of in the first two-thirds of the season. It is more away games and then the tougher teams, and it is more home games and easier opposition at home at DSG for Eastern Conference opponents in the final third of the season after Leeds mm-hmm. Cup. They're hosting New York Red Bulls. We know Omir and Chris are going to want to win that. And they're hosting Toronto FC. That's going to be their easiest, I think their easiest non-conference game that they have of the season. But so all of that, again, Mark, just shows me Portland Timbers, probably not a playoff team. If you're going to get them, getting them the first game of the season would be ha- would be the time to do it. And I think Nashville's regressed, and you've got them at home. And if you can neutralize Evander, you can probably neutralize or at least significantly slow down Pani Mukhtar. And so those first two games, Mark, if they somehow get four points out of those first two games, then the next five of that first seven, they're playing with house money. But if they lose to Portland and Hani Mukhtar does what he does to the Rapids as well, then this team is once again up Poop River without an oar. 
Yeah, I'll I'll be more uh, succinct because you covered it really well, Matt. Well said. Uh, is you know the early season. You're right. Uh, it is rough. It's rough sledding for us. The Rapids need to, historically speaking, in in my experience, they need to not be out of it on June first. That's basically the bar that we've set. It's pretty low, which is we need to not be so bad in. March, April, and May, the team can't really bother. Um, this team has has had a habit of the last couple of years that the July 4th game is starting to feel like, yeah, it's probably over, right? Like, And, and July 4th is already kind of like uh, um, in the press box anyways. It's like, uh, gee, I hope they bring the cookies out early kind of feeling, <laughs> right? Um, and by comparison, uh, last year was like kind of dire. It felt like by the early part of May, we were out of it. The other thing about MLS, that there's a new rhythm to the season starting this past year, which is League's Cup, which is, you know, there's like two seasons and the two seasons are before League's Cup and after League's Cup. You want to go into League's Cup mostly healthy and in the in the thick of the race. Because if you come out of League's Cup and a couple players are banged up, and you aren't very high up in the table, then you leave yourself in very bad shape trying to make the playoffs at the back end of the season. And so that's where you need to be. Do not run yourself out of the playoffs by June 1st, and do not run yourselves into the wall by, I think, League's Cup starts this year, July 26th. I know that because I'm trying to buy tickets to either Colorado or Portland to go CS, which is a quick reminder also that this is a good opportunity for Rapids fans in the opening to get a sense of Portland, who we will be playing in League's Cup uh, and need to be beating in order to get out of a group with us and Leon. Well said there, Mark. Rabbi, any questions that you have for me from what I saw in training? And listeners, if you have questions or little nuances or things that you want to see, I can comment on that. I will say the three absences that we had, Mark, I mentioned Lamine Diak, not yet with the club. Sidney Tavares, not with the team. We'll get to him in a minute. Really? Yes. And then uh, Abuba Karketa was a, was at the facility. He is more around the team. As we'll get to in a minute, I still am not sure that he is long for the Burgundy and Blue. And then Kamani Stewart-Baines was not with the team on training on Tuesday from his call-up with the Canadian youth team as well. So still waiting to meet nice. him. Wayne Frederick was with the team, practiced fully. Ralph Preso. Omir Fernandez, Sam Vines practice fully as well. So as I mentioned earlier, there's no major injuries. And if the team had two weeks to practice in Colorado before their first opening game right. of the season, I would imagine a clean bill of health. I don't think anybody's going to be out for on for the game on Saturday against Portland. If anything, guys are going to be questionable. And Chris probably doesn't want to risk anybody who's been dealing with a hamstring or something like that, especially right. on the road, especially on turf to start the season. But Mark, any questions that you have from Field 20 or do we want to talk about the competitive rules being updated like 24 hours before the, the season started? Uh, it's news to me. Go ahead and break <laughs> the news, Matt, and I will I will react as quickly as my fingers will Google. <laughs> okay, so uh, listeners, uh, MLS released the roster rules and regulations. They also uh, introduced their competitive rules. They're keeping the exact same playoff format, despite everyone and their mother and their mom's mom complaining about the best of three being like, why did you come up with this? You're doing this just for money. This is stupid kind of a thing. 
Roster rules, Mark. I, full disclosure, I'm stealing this completely from Chris Ivy on Twitter, at ChrisIvy865. Uh, he contributes to Broadway, Tennessee, and Speedway Soccer on Nashville SC. And as he opens up, um, he's an attorney and certified MLS sicko, so he summarized this thing for me after I got a migraine, reading two-thirds of the way down. So um, the CBA is out. The uh, total salary budget has increased from $5.21 million to $5.47 million, and the max budget charge for a player is now right around $684,000. They've simplified the final slots. I think these are the supplementary slots, Mark for roster slots uh, 25 through 28, and there were, then there were some special rules about roster spots 29 and 30. They've now simplified that. Effectively, 25 and down are all the same ones. Um, homegrown players and the homegrown subsidiary, that is where their guaranteed comp is different from what their cap hit is at. They can now Teams can now utilize GAM and TAM discretionary spending on that. So Forex Smith, who loves some who, who loves all the various ways that general allocation money can generally be used. That's now something that's available to them. Um, and then now, I think we already knew this. This has already taken effect last year, but it was midway through the season. Now, if a player gets their green card during the season, um, then they free up an international roster slot and is not. And that's as soon as they get the green card, not as not by the roster compliance deadline update that either happens at the start of the season or at the end of the season. There's a bunch of rules changing around the <laughs> U22 slots that simplify. Can I, can I just throw in a very goofy, please. nerdy thing? Uses of revenue. The club may assign up to $1,215,506 of the transfer or loan revenue as general allocation money. I just love those moments where, like, it's like it's $506, not 507 not 508 506 Anyways, moving Mark, on. Mark, didn't you say... Didn't you interview Fran Taylor and ask him about some of the player guaranteed comps? And like I asked why players' um, salary numbers came out as these weird, unrounded numbers, like like you know, uh, eighty three thousand five hundred and seventy three dollars. And he said sense as well. There are some of these guaranteed comps that are not rounded to the nearest dollar, which you thought was weird. And he thought it was basically a function of just percentages that like the contract would call for a percentage raise from one year to the next. Um, and that worked out to being, you know, it's why my it's why my paycheck from Erie um, is sometimes such and such dollars and 97 cents a month. And in, uh, in odd numbered months, it's 96 cents a month because it all has to come out properly at the end of the year. It's it's weird. Okay, uh, they've changed <laughs> around and removed a lot of the red tape around reclassifying players from a U22 initiative slot. This was the point in reading the roster rules, folks, where I got a migraine and decided to go to bed. So I'm going to assume one of those things that was crossed out then made Cole Bassett eligible for the U22 slot. But I, we ain't got time for discovering this more. What else do we see, Mark? dum da dum da dum uh, MLS has had to ensure that Adidas was getting the full use of the sponsorship dollars. So make sure that the roster rule nerds know. So um, the uh, MLS clubs may draft players through the MLS Super Draft presented by Adidas from the list of eligible players. So now Mark formally in the MLS roster rules and regulations, when it mentions the Super Draft, it doesn't just say the Super Draft. 
it is the MLS Super Draft presented by Sponsor Redacted. <laughs> you're very... Which is just, oh my god, this you're is very, so stupid. You're very specific today. Okay. Um, I don't have, I mean, honestly, there's very little here. There's just not, there's, um, the, the changes are um, purely um, monetary. There are this, this amount of money went up and this amount of money met, went up by about the exact percentage that we would have expected based on how much the changes were from 2022 to 2023. So not a big deal here. Um, if you're interested in a deeper dive into kind of like the economics of MLS and why they don't fully make sense in our current iteration, my last Substack, uh, we talked, I talked about why we need to make designated player slots tradable, just like international slots are. Um, there's a lot of reason why that would make a lot of good things happen. Um, but the simplest thing that needs to happen is the league probably needs to go to four. I mean, one might ask how it is that Inter Miami has the players that they do, considering they have Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, Leo Messi, and um, Luis Suarez. All supposedly only three of them are on DP contracts, which there's no way that it, the way they do it is they backload the contracts. But that's kind of shady. Go ahead, Matt. They're probably cheating again like they <laughs> cheated last time. Uh, allegedly. I, my, our lawyers tell us that if I say allegedly after Matt says that, we won't be sued. Okay. Um, so yeah, the roster rules are complicated, folks. Uh, go through and read them more. If you have questions on those, feel free to DM us or email us. We'd be happy to explain it in more detail. But I realize we're already losing a bunch of you. So the question then is, Mark, whether or not the Colorado Rapids are compliant from a roster rules standpoint. Um, and I spoke to a source familiar with the situation saying that they're feeling that they're going to be compliant. This isn't an inter-Miami situation, but there's probably two small moves that are happening, as I've kind of alluded to on Twitter, in my writing, on this podcast a few times over the course of the last couple of weeks. I would expect that Sidney Tavares is not a rostered Colorado Rapids player come Saturday, and that is probably going to be his loan either being sent to another MLS team if somebody wants him, or he's just getting sent back to Benfica B, and that loan is being terminated early, and they're not going to pick up the purchase option on that and then the other one there rabbi that i would expect is even though abubakar keita has been more around the team i would not be surprised if we see him loaned either domestically or i don't know if there's any european leagues that still have the window open as well but i would expect him to get loaned out as well another one that we might see mark that would be less significant is the draft picked players just to like take either some money off the cap or to free up a roster spot the roster rules still are kind of ambiguous around loaning a player to next pro or to the championship and then what has them not occupy a roster spot or what has some of their money come off the books as well so if the rapids are if rapid if the rapids do not have remy cabal eligible for the rapids because he's with phoenix rising but the rapids are paying 100 percent of his salary what does that look like and then if the cap hit to the extent that there are roster rules around the next pro teams if all of that is coming out of the next pro budget for a wayne frederick or a kamani stewart baines who gets loaned for the year to rapids two does that then remove him from the rapids one roster regulations and everything that's still something that is kind of ambiguous that from the case study case studies excuse me the um from the precedent we've seen of how other teams have implemented that it seems to be it's not clear and obvious how 
that ends up looking. So I would imagine if, if I had to bet money right now, Mark, I'm not betting money on whether or not the Rapids are getting a result on Saturday, but I would bet that Abubakar Keita before Monday end of business is loaned out, and I would be willing to bet by kickoff on Saturday night at Providence Park that Sidney Tavares publicly and officially is not a rostered member of the Colorado Rapids. So look out for that. There might be a few other small moves, but nothing, you know, earth shattering. Um, you know, uh, Connor Ronan isn't getting traded to Real Salt Lake, for example. Um, I know we talked about Mark Howe. I think I mentioned this as well. While there are new competitive guidelines, Rabbi, MLS is not yet implementing them because they don't trust that, um, that Scabby the ref is going to be able to implement them. So we'll see if Pro ends up breaking their picket line and then whether or not MLS implements those. So we won't be talking about that specifically. But what was the, what was the last thing that I wanted to talk about, Mark? I think it was the roster rules now that I think about it. I think, are we done? My, is there something yeah, my ma- I'll just say real quick, I'm looking at my spreadsheet and I updated some of the numbers and my math says that the Rapids current budget charge for players uh, on the roster is $6.78 million, um, and that is their quote-unquote roster hit. The MLS budget cap is $5.47 million, meaning just if you only use the basic um, uh, amount of money, the Rapids are $1.3 million over budget. But of course, they're not because you have GAM and TAM. And your GAM and TAM allowances based on last year allows you to go effectively uh, all the way up to $9.8 million. The Rapids are well under that. In fact, they are under the cap and GAM spending limit, which would be $7.1 million. So the Rapids are probably fine. That is also including the transfer fee that the Rapids paid for Jordi Mihailovic, which is amortized over four years. So anyways, point being, the Rapids are probably fine. Um, Their roster compliance issues, as you mentioned, probably have to do mostly with um, making sure that they have 30 spots. And I now have to read this Erschlugener 2024 MLS roster rules thing because the whole section on slots 21 through 30 is completely different than it used to be. For those who are super nerds at home, there used to be four designations for the roster. There was the senior roster, the supplemental roster, the reserve roster, and the reserve minimum salary roster, which was slot 29 and 30. Now there's just a senior roster and a supplemental roster. And I got to read a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but, you know, I'm a sicko, so I don't mind. That's all Mark, I got for us tonight, Matt. Uh, Mark, I remembered I spoke to Connor Ronan, and it was an exclusive interview. Uh, and so we're going to feature that audio for you now since we haven't heard from Connor. Wow. this preseason and he and I got a chance to catch up and he provided some good perspective on various things that are different and you've not heard yet so we'll give that audio in a minute but first uh, you can follow us on Twitter on X collectively at soccer underscore rabbi at LWS Matt Pollard and at Rapids 96 podcast we are also on Facebook we're also on Blue Sky we are also on Threads at those as well even though we're most active on the application formerly known as Twitter and on the book of faces Email us at rapids96podcast at gmail.com. Send us your questions using the hashtag AskHTHL or via email. And rate, review, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like us to be on a podcatcher of your choice, reach out and we'll do our best to get the people that believe to put us on there. And as Rabbi mentioned, head on over to our Substack. That's where you'll get Mark's written content. I'm still at burgundywave.com. And Substack is also where you can give us money to then get this sweet merch that we are about to start peddling and sending out along with the stickers. 
I will be at the season kickoff party next Wednesday. So if Woo! you see me and want to come talk, I would be I would love for you to talk up, uh, come up to me and say and introduce yourself and say, Matt, I want to talk to you about the Rapids. And if you also want to tell me that holding the high line, it's absolutely crap. I will absolutely take that personally and we'll do everything in our power to prove you wrong, even though we are no one good FC here. But no further rambling. Listeners, here is my conversation from after Tuesday's training with Colorado Rapids midfielder and wonderful ginger Irishman, Connor Ronan. We'll see you after Saturday's road win. Peace. Connor, good. How are you? Yeah. Christmas, it was good, yeah. You go back home? Yeah, I got a few weeks at home, yeah. We did a little bit of traveling around Colorado, New York, okay. and then had a few a few weeks at home for okay. Christmas. Family's all good? Kids all good? good? All good, yeah. He's, yeah. he's flying around now, so <laughs> life's got substantially more difficult. Okay, so he's already working on those FIFA stats, acceleration and yeah, everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got him still trying to figure out what foot he is at the minute. He keeps changing, so... Okay. I mean, the better players are left-footed, aren't they? So I need to... Yeah, cultured left foot. Yeah, yeah, I need to get him. I need to try it. Got any parenting advice for Jordy? Uh, go with the floor. <laughs> yeah. Just take it as it comes. There's a, we got a lot of advice before, and there's not really anything that I can look back and say, oh, yeah, that, that really prepared us for what was coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, go, go with the floor. Yeah. How's Chris been? Good. Really good. Really, um, I think the word I'd use is positive. Just... Just bringing that energy after last year, you know. I feel like me personally, and I would imagine everyone else was kind of feeling the same to get back. It felt like such a long off season that, I don't know, it was almost needed to like, you know, get that feeling of just missing being out here. And I felt like everyone come back with that attitude of just pure energy, enthusiasm. And Chris has just been really positive with everyone. The guys who, the guys who may be going to play more than others or the guys who may be, Maybe might be on the bench or out of squads. He's, everyone's treated the same. Everyone's everyone's got that positive attitude, and yeah, it's it's really been instilled from from the first day. Yeah, nice change from. It felt like you were just pissed off all of last year, from what I could tell. I mean, it's never. I mean, I hope it didn't look like a bad thing on the pitch, but I, I, it wasn't negative. It wasn't unprofessional. It, yeah, but it was, I think, understandable and frustrating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. <laughs> I think for any player, like no one, no one wants to lose games, and we just got in such a, such a position where it just felt like we didn't know where we was going to get a win from, and that was probably the most frustrating. And I feel like we were going into home games really positive, and then we'd we'd have a few games where like we'd do really well in the first half, and we just couldn't quite get that first goal, and it just felt like we didn't get any luck as well. You know, you need a lot of that. It's a it's a long season. You need some balls to go in when maybe they shouldn't, and it just felt like we never really got that. But at the same time, you, you create your own look and you have to work for it. And I feel like, I already feel like going into the season that we'll, we'll, we'll win a lot more games. Mm. That's, that's for sure. How's Jasper been? Really good. Yeah. He's uh, lots of energy, lots of, uh, lots of enthusiasm. And he's the same on the pitch as, as he is off it. So you guys will get a, get a scene play. But that's how I would, how I would uh, describe his personality. The same on and off the pitch. He's just full energy all the time and it's it's nice to be around it's you know maybe when I don't know you wake up not in the best mood or it happens you don't get the best night's sleep he's just there every day he's ready to go and it can uh, it can spread throughout the team and we have you know we have a lot of guys like that this year who you know spread that positivity spread that energy and hopefully that that shows on the pitch mm-hmm. tactically how much more organized do you feel the the midfield can be this year um yeah i felt like last year we got got sucked out quite a lot and we 
we maybe left the middle a little bit too open at times and I feel like I feel like this year we've got this idea of what we want to be and we want to be this pressing team and when we lose it we want to win it back but at the same time we have we have backup options of you know there's some good footballing teams in this league and maybe the press isn't always going to work and I just feel like we're comfortable at the minute with whatever we need to do if we need to maybe sit off if we haven't quite got the press right and teams are getting out I feel like we have that backup of whether we sit in a mid block or sit in a low block everyone knows the roles and responsibilities and you can look at the person next to you and you know, know that they're going to help you out and dig you out maybe if you caught out of position and yeah like you said it just it feels that that little bit more organized mm-hmm. portland new coach bunch yeah. of new players as well what do you see in them for saturday um i mean it's our first day back we've had two days off so we haven't had a proper look at them yet but i feel like the theme of the season obviously it's the first game so it's a little bit different but we need to we need to play our own game a lot of the time and there's only so much analysis you can do in teams and we've got to go there with a game plan and set up with a way that's going to work against them but at the same time we've got to be comfortable with, with what we're going to do and try and put our game plan onto them and not not let not let not invite the pressure and not let them control the game and yeah we want it we want it to go our way i know it's going to be away from home in front of their fans but we're just really looking forward to it like i said it's been such a long off season and we have the pre-season games and there's no fans there and you're just craving that feeling of like getting back out there in front of the, in front of in front of any fans really. Do you feel a sense uh, an onus to also be a leader on this team? You know, I've I've asked Keegan and Cole a million times about you know there are a lot of loud voices that the club lost yeah. last season, and yeah. so now as someone who's familiar with MLS playing in England and everything, do you feel an onus to kind of you know step up when there's a vacuum? Definitely, and I think I think last season helped me with that. Um, playing a lot of games and just being comfortable in the team helped me to kind of step up a little bit and towards the end of the year maybe take on a little bit more responsibility on and off the pitch um i just chat with chris early on as well and you know he mentioned that about you know it's a young team and i mean i don't consider myself old yet but i'm I'm one of the older guys in the team and maybe experience wise you know i've played it in different leagues different levels and played a lot of games so i'd like to i'd like to think i can use that to try and help some of the younger guys and especially in the midfield the guys like ollie and wayne and you know i feel like i'm in a position now where i can i can i can lead a little bit more and kind of help drive this team when maybe things aren't going well and just just get just get us going again you know so some games last year we we was on the back foot and we just we didn't really have that person to get us going and we we need that and i feel like there's multiple players in the team this year that are going to going to drive us on whether it's just you know be that first man to press be that voice out there we need we need someone to do it and i'd like to think i'd be able to step up a little bit more this year and take on that responsibility all right connor good to see you thank you so much as always You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.